0: to Jim Paris live. Your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of christianmoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, good to be back uh, with you here. I spent the week in Detroit and I had a great time there. I have to tell you, uh, I had been through Detroit several times as a musician but never really got to spend any time there so what did i do in detroit uh one of the things that i did which was so fascinating was i went to the henry ford museum i guess it's actually not called that anymore it's just called the henry ford (laughs) so they came up with some slick new way of naming the museum but in any case uh really neat museum with a lot of history and if you love cars you've got to visit the henry ford but the one thing in particular that i loved Uh, was just fascinated by, was the car that uh, the JFK presidential limousine. And I don't know if this is uh, a weird kind of morbid curiosity, but I've seen that car so many times on documentaries and pictures. The idea of seeing the JFK limousine in person, it was just really, it gave me chills to see it. And uh, just just realizing the iconic place that that limousine has in history. And if you want to see that video that I did, uh, you know while I was standing right there by the JFK limousine, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, the video is still up there. Also, um, my second favorite thing that I did there was I went to the Motown Museum which I didn't really know what to expect. I know that I love Motown music, so I thought, why not give this a shot? A lot of people suggested that I go to the Motown Museum, and man, it was so worth it. I would just say to you, if you go through Detroit, do not miss the Motown Museum. It only took about an hour to go through the tour that they do, but there was so many really interesting artifacts, and I learned so much about the history of Motown music, and it was just really fascinating and it was only 20 bucks too um it was a really neat tour again it only took an hour and i would highly recommend that um i went to see a detroit tigers game on friday night also and man they have a beautiful facility but i have to tell you i was disappointed because it looked like about 80 percent of the seats were empty and i don't know why that is i'm not a huge baseball fan anymore Um, it looks like detroit is not doing well in the standings but they just don't draw out the people, and maybe it was because they were playing the Arizona uh, team, and there's not a you know uh, like a big name team there like the New York Yankees or someone like that. I don't know, but it's just sort of super low energy when you're in a baseball stadium that looks like it's designed to hold I don't know maybe thirty or forty thousand people, and then I mean, honestly, it looked like there might have been ten thousand people there. It was almost all empty seats i don't understand that i only stayed for about half the game because i had a super early flight on saturday so i didn't want to stay out too late i was worried because it was so many people downtown that i might not be able to get an uber to get back to my hotel which i was staying in dearborn which is a little bit outside of detroit and that was because there was a um, a taylor swift concert going on and i have never seen anything quite like this before Yes, I have been to big concerts. I have been in downtown city centers when there were big names coming in town. Uh, And I know people wear the t-shirts and do those kinds of things. But I have to tell you, this was the most odd thing I've ever seen. There were literally thousands upon thousands of, of women, mostly younger women, and also young girls that were lined up to see taylor swift and from what i read some of these tickets went for over a thousand dollars each and then on top of that um these women were dressed up all of them to the nines as taylor swift they had the you know pink cowboy hat on and uh the one piece with all the um um glitter on it and all that i i it almost seemed like a cult-like uh, Army of zombies. It it really did. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I have read about her history and how her parents got involved in kind of building her career, and they did it in a very business like fashion. Apparently, she has very good marketing. Uh, but I threw this up on my Facebook page, and I was like, Yeah, what am I missing here? I mean, how does this lady, this young lady, get these people to this point that they literally become cult like zombies? Uh, I mean, I go to concerts, too, but I don't go there, you know, completely dressed (laughs) as the person that's performing. I mean, the most that might happen is I might wear a T-shirt with that band's name on it. But that's as far as it goes. I've never seen anything quite like this. And it was so funny because you're walking around downtown Detroit and you see just literally these swarms and swarms of these uh, young women and, and girls all dressed up like Taylor Swift it was crazy so before the Tigers game uh, so this is all going on in the same night you've got the Taylor Swift concert which is was sold out Friday night and Saturday night in Detroit so this is Friday night and then there's the Detroit Tigers game uh, so there was a, a worry that maybe there was too many people in the city at one time and you know what would happen and it, it got a little bit crazy honestly when I left the game it was still a little bit early it was maybe before eight o'clock but there were some you know kind of aggressive people on the street asking for for money and things like that um it looked like it was going to get out of control a little bit later uh i heard a lot of people warn me they said be careful in detroit i don't think detroit is any worse than any other big city um in fact i'd probably feel more safe in detroit than i would have if i were in chicago uh but in any case it's a beautiful city it's really beautiful this time of year and i actually went there because i was um Uh, I was paid to fly there and to be a part of some training programs and that was on Tuesday and Wednesday and then I just extended my trip since the the airfare was already paid for I extended my trip for a couple of extra days to do the sightseeing and I usually do that kind of thing. But uh, if you want to check out all my videos all my pictures everything is up there on my Facebook page. Uh, I have hit the 5000 person limit as far as friends go but you can still follow that page. If you can't become a friend, but I also cross-post everything to my other pages uh, on Facebook, including um, the ChristianMoney.com uh, Facebook page as well. Okay, so this week uh, the big story is, of course, the the newer indictment of former President Donald Trump, and the media is now parroting the phrase, "quote No one is above the law." End quote. Uh, everybody's doing this. I saw a clip with George Stephanopoulos interviewing one of Trump's lawyers, and that's what he said. And they're all saying that. And, you know, I agree with that idea in principle that no one is above the law, but the idea that um, that the law is being applied evenly and fairly in this country to all politicians and public figures is beyond ridiculous and you can look at you know exhibit a which is hunter biden but now now they're talking about all kinds of just very damning evidence uh, against the president president biden himself with this whole ukraine thing and and supposedly evidence of bribes and offshore bank accounts Um, just the idea though that hunter biden Hasn't been charged yet after all that he did and all that was on that laptop, uh, which we don't even want to get into the unspeakable that was on that laptop. uh, It's just beyond belief that they can use the phrase no one is above the law. Uh, But one of my friends and I had a really interesting discussion this morning, and that is what would happen if Trump actually did get convicted? On any of these charges, whether it's the New York charges or these new federal charges or what's still percolating um, in Georgia, the the charges in Georgia. Number one, um, if he were convicted of a felony, could he still run for president? Um, My friend said, absolutely, he can still run as a convicted felon. Which I did not know that I thought that would disqualify you, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe my friend is wrong on that. Uh, not sure. I haven't researched it thoroughly, but but let's assume that that's correct. That he can still run if he is convicted. How does that work? You know, let's say that he does get elected as president. Would he still have to serve those prison sentences? Would they be suspended until after he leaves office? I mean, could we actually have a sitting president in prison? I, I don't know how that works. And then the whole pardoning thing, you know, people have said, well, he could pardon himself. And and I don't think that's ever been done before. And there's certain questions about whether or not that would actually be proper or legal to do. I imagine he could pardon himself, but the problem is you can't pardon yourself on state charges if you're the president. The president can pardon people on federal charges. So these recent charges, which are federal, he could pardon himself on these charges, but he couldn't pardon himself, for example, on the New York charges, which are state charges, if he were convicted uh, on those charges. So it, it's kind of uncharted territory but one thing is is interesting so gene simmons uh from the rock group kiss yes that gene simmons uh he came out and said this all of this is doing nothing but just building more support for trump and in fact i think that is true i looked at some polling figures uh this morning and it is turning out to be the case that the more they go after trump the more popular he becomes so I don't really understand what the end game here is politically for those on the left that are going after Trump like this. Um, certainly, no matter whether you're conservative or liberal, um, you would have to agree at some point. I would think that if in the coming weeks we don't see any type of charges against Hunter Biden, at least that that this is just not uh, It's not equal justice for all. I mean, it has been over two years, I believe, since the Hunter Biden laptop and all of that. And I don't know how do how do they not charge him on. I mean, there's so many things ranging from tax issues to lobbying without being properly registered to do so. Money laundering, the gun charges, some of the really horrible uh, pictures and video Uh, on his laptop which I understand crossed certain legal boundaries which we won't get into here because I don't like to talk about uh, those kind of things which are just too dark actually for me to deal with when I hear about these these pictures that people have especially of underage uh, individuals Uh, I don't know It, it it can't be you can't call it equal justice when you see Hunter Biden not being charged. And, and then of course the more that comes out, it looks like President Biden himself has a lot more uh, things to be looked at than Trump ever did. So this is just going to be very interesting to watch as uh you know as the days and weeks progress especially you know going up into this you know heated uh, election cycle. Okay, is tipping out of control. We've talked about this on the show before. And I have put this up on my Facebook page. And every time I do, I get tons of responses. So bankrate.com, the financial website, they paid for a survey to be done. And the survey really asked people a lot of questions about tipping. And the bottom line, and I have to agree with this, that Americans are not happy with the tipping culture and it is very confusing. Um, for example, you really don't know, I mean, where is a tip expected anymore? I love to tip people for good service. I, I overtip, to be honest with you, because I know in a lot of these places, the money people make is mostly tips. So if you go into a restaurant today, uh, most of the time, those restaurant workers, especially servers, uh, they're not getting paid very much per hour. So if you don't give a generous tip, that person isn't going to make a living wage. That is just the reality of it. But I think people are frustrated by that. They're, they're basically saying, why doesn't the business pay the service worker a higher wage and then maybe make tipping a lot more optional or make tipping not even necessary if people were paid enough? Um, I have to tell you the craziest example of this I've ever seen is on a cruise ship when you go on a cruise, and you can get tremendous bargains when you go on a cruise, but you go on a cruise and you go into your stateroom and they literally give you a printout of all of the people you're supposed to tip a percentage uh, or a certain amount per day. I forget how they, they structure it, but it's to the assistant of the assistant of the assistant of the person that uh, turns your sheets down at night. It's a lot of different people. And many of these people, maybe you don't even ever meet that you're tipping. And it's almost like what a lot of businesses have done is they've built into their kind of their pricing model, their financial model, the idea that we're going to pay people the lowest we possibly can. Even in the case of restaurants, they can pay below minimum wage wage for people that get tips. So this idea of of paying the absolute least we can pay and then expecting the customer to make up the difference with tips is kind of becoming the business model and people are getting frustrated with it. I saw um, recently uh, someone had posted online that they made a charitable donation and they were asked to add a tip to the charitable donation. Um, I get a little bit I guess, I don't know what the word would be. I get a little, I feel a little bit awkward when I go into a restaurant where there is no table service and you know, you're simply walking up to a counter, you're ordering your food and um, one place in particular that I really like, it's, it's a burrito place and after you order, they turn the, the screen around and they say, now you need to complete this. And right up on the screen, it's got in there like the 15, the 20%, the 25%, the 30% tip. All of that is in there and you have to, you know, choose your tip amount and then you sign it and then your charge goes through. And, you know, these are people I really like. So I always, you know, give a good tip because they're guys I really like. But I, it just makes me feel a little bit awkward that when there's not even table service, the tip is expected. You know, I get it like at a place like Starbucks, for example, if you go into Starbucks and you order one of those fancy coffees and you ask for a little dab of this and a dab of that, and you have all kinds of customizations to your drink. Yeah, you probably should leave a tip for that because you're asking for a lot of extra things, right? But if you're just going into Starbucks for the sake of argument, ordering just a black coffee and they just pour it in a cup and hand it to you. Do you give them a tip? Now I do only because I'm at Starbucks a lot. I, in fact, I call Starbucks my office, and I know the people there. So I like to tip because I know them there. But I, I, it's just starting to raise a lot of questions in our culture about tipping and when where where does it end? You know where do we stop the tipping culture because it continues to grow even when you go into somewhere like like a Subway. Uh, restaurant they've got a jar out uh, with a note on it saying you know gas money you know please tip uh, i mean at what point is it begging you for money like a street person when you go into a place where there is no table service i mean if i'm at a hotel and someone's helping me with my luggage they're parking my car if i'm at a restaurant somebody's serving me and provides good service if i go get my haircut i'll add money to my haircut i try to tip in all the traditional places it just does honestly get confusing and you don't know anymore like where does this go i mean are they going to start looking for tips at the self-checkout at walmart i don't know but this bank rate survey pointed out that americans are honestly they're just frustrated and confused by the entire tipping culture okay a section of interstate 95 in philadelphia has collapsed and i was reading about this this morning now this is the entire interstate this is both northbound and southbound and it's in the city and they're talking about thousands and thousands of cars that are backed up. And when something like this happens, when you have an interstate collapse, and I didn't read too much about it, if this was a bridge or, or, or where this was, that was the implication. It was some kind of an elevated section of I-95. They're talking about the nightmare of traffic, even on the weekend, not even to mention what's going to happen once uh, people try to go to work tomorrow. But as I travel around the country, I have noticed... Just the aging infrastructure. And I know Trump tried to to put something through, some kind of a stimulus where we were going to rebuild the bridges and the airports and all these kind of things. And man, that is overdue. I know we always think of America as kind of like the shiniest object in the world. And I have to tell you, as I've traveled the world, uh, for example, in Seoul, Korea, I would say the city of Seoul, Korea is much more solid with infrastructure than any American city that I've been in. And, and at what point did the bridges start collapsing? At what point do we start seeing problems? I mean, we're already seeing problems at the airports, right? I mean, what is it every other day? Now there's computers going down and near misses on the, on the, uh, runways and, and people being delayed because of this reason or that reason. Um, at some point, Uh, It's just like owning a home. At some point, there's got to be a new roof put on. You can't just have a bridge forever that never gets replaced. And, uh, you know, as I've read about this over the last few years, there are just hundreds of bridges that are literally unsafe to drive across in this country. There are sections of major highways like this in I-95 in Philadelphia that are just simply unsafe for people to be on. And uh, at some point, there's going to have to be some major investment into infrastructure in the country. And uh, this is something, uh, you know, if you're traveling and you're heading up north, uh, if you're, you know, from here in Florida where I am or or wherever, going south, the same deal. I mean, if you're going to be on I-95 going through Philadelphia, which millions of cars do every week, uh, you need to come up with a new, a new plan. Uh, I don't know Philadelphia too well. I've been there a few times. There's probably some kind of alternate beltway or or other highway, state highway you could take to get around this mess. Uh, But it looks like it may be a mess for quite a long time. Uh, When these collapses happen, it's not an overnight fix. It could take weeks in some cases uh, to repair uh, these sections, even if they put a crew on there for 24 hours a day. Okay, so Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, I guess he was 81 years old. And, of course, he was in, I believe it was the Supermax prison, the highest security prison in solitary confinement. Uh, he was found dead in his prison cell at the age of 81. And the latest news on this is uh, that Kaczynski appears to have uh, died of suicide, um, which is, I don't know, I find it kind of a little bit odd only because I don't know how many years he was in prison. I mean, it seems like decades he was in prison, but finally he committed suicide in a cell. Uh, Usually in these prisons, they take a lot of precautions to prevent a prisoner from committing suicide. Although I don't believe that was the case at all with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, The Unabomber is um, we did a a show about the Unabomber, and I'm probably going to replay it this week because it was one of the most fascinating uh, criminal cases of a serial killer um, in terms of, you know, his his method, which was to send out these bombs Uh, And just to understand this guy's upbringing and his story and how much of a genius he was, um, even inventing some math theories that were published, that's how bright this guy was. And then the life he chose to live, um, which is to be in this secluded cabin in the middle of nowhere. Uh, That cabin, by the way, I actually saw that in a museum in Washington, D.C. The cabin was actually... Um, preserved and transported and kept in a museum. Um, a fascinating case uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, dead at the age of 81. Now, this story happened here in my area, somewhere that I'm at a lot. I mean, I'm at this beach at least once a week. Uh, this is the St. Augustine Beach Pier. Apparently, um, this happened over the weekend here that a young child, they didn't say the age, but a young child was wearing a mask and was also waving a gun around. And it caused a huge panic. Uh, I guess several people were injured running from the pier when they saw this child with a firearm, with a mask on. Uh, People were running for their lives. I guess the child was uh, taken into custody by the police. It turned out That the gun was not real. It was an airsoft gun. Uh, But still, uh, you know, scary nonetheless. And you got to wonder where the parents are, right? And in this culture, parents, if you're not smart enough to figure this out on your own, if you want to get the airsoft guns, the dart guns, that kind of stuff for your kids at home, I have no problem with that. I grew up with all that stuff. I think it's cool. And I think it's fun to teach kids about firearms at a young age. All that's great. But in this culture, you don't want to have your kid walking around with an airsoft gun in public it's just not a good idea and you just wonder where the parents were when this kid wearing a a mask was waving around a gun on the saint augustine beach pier well it appears that ben affleck and matt damon are super upset with donald trump there was a movie i guess they produced and matt damon was in it uh called air and it's apparently about the commercial success of michael jordan if i if i understand it right i didn't see the movie um but it's it was a movie about michael jordan's relationship with nike and all the money that was made etc and apparently there's a little clip from that movie that was turned into kind of a meme a video meme that was put on trump's social website and they're really upset that a part of their movie that was copywritten, as they say in their public statement, was used by Trump, yada, yada, yada. Um, seems like there's more important things to get upset about. I have not seen this, this short video clip. It sounds like um, a parody, and it would be excluded from copyright law. But uh, that is the latest from the far left, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Um, Okay. So apparently Americans have lost in the last year, it's something like 300 million or more dollars to text messaging scams. This is a big deal. And I've said this before, and I've warned you before that the new scam, the new scammers are, are using the new level of scams is texting because I think most people know, that you don't want to respond to those weird emails from Nigerian princes saying that you've inherited money. I think most people at this point get it that there's a lot of scams in the email. You don't want to click on links and log into your bank account that way. I think most people know that now. So the scammers have upped their game and they're using text messages. And what's interesting about this is most people are falling victim. I mean, many people, I can tell you this, that I know really smart people that are very tech savvy, that they get one of these fake text messages and they click on it and they click through and they get their password stolen. I don't know why it is any different in people's minds than these scam, these scammy emails. I guess you assume that a text is more legit. Like this person has my phone number, they're texting me. It looks like it's from my bank. Um, And I will grant you this, that when you get a text, it's a little bit harder to authenticate like that that absolutely is or is not from, let's say, Amazon or from your bank. Like when you get an email, you can look when you click on the link, you can see that little that little padlock that that indicates that's a legit website. I don't think there is anything like that for for um, texting and a lot of times texts come from just a string of numbers and you don't know really did that come from my bank or not. So as I've always said ignore the text if your bank supposedly texted you you have a low balance or whatever they they say it is just ignore the text go to your uh, computer open up a browser and then log into your bank like usual and just check on it that way. And if there's nothing in your account, then there isn't a problem. The same thing with Amazon, but uh, these text message scams really work. Uh, Americans lost a reported 300 million or more dollars in the past year to text messaging scams. Okay, I did a video on this a little bit earlier this morning here on Sunday morning, about the new 1% down conventional mortgage. And this is, uh, it is a thing. And uh, if you are looking to buy a home and maybe you decided not to pursue it because you don't have the 3.5% down for FHA, you don't have the 3% down for the home possible or the 5% down for a standard conventional, there is now a 1% down conventional mortgage. And it's pretty pretty simple to get this. Now, you've got to, of course, be able to prove your income, make enough money to afford the payment. That makes sense, right? You need a 620 credit score. And then depending on whether or not that you've owned a home in the last three years, you may have to take an online home ownership class, which most people can complete that in less than a couple of hours. So if that's something you'd like to find out more about, since I do work in the mortgage industry, you can get in touch with me. Uh, you can send me an email to to the, the email that goes directly to my phone, which is jameslparis at gmail.com. Jameslparis at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about the 1% down conventional mortgage. All right, I don't know what you make of this, this, this story of this UFO in Las Vegas. Here's what I know apparently, thousands and thousands of people saw a flashing light in the sky in Las Vegas this week. And it looked like something crashed. It looked like a plane crashed or it was a a shooting, a meteor coming out of the sky. Something bright that was flashing came crashing down to earth. The police even saw this. There are videos of this as well. So in any case, uh, a, a family reported seeing eight foot tall creatures that they are saying are aliens from this crash of whatever it was. And the police even were called to this home where they uh, this family claimed to have seen these eight foot tall creatures in their backyard. Of course, they weren't there when the police came, uh, but it is a fascinating story. And our friend L.A. Marzulli has been on the show many times talking about a great deception in the end times biblically, where the idea of aliens uh, would be used to turn people away from their faith in God. And it is interesting to see more and more of these UFO sightings, more evidence of, of of these spacecrafts, whatever they may be. And now we actually have a very compelling eyewitness account of eight foot tall creatures in their backyard. I don't know what you make of the story. Um, it, there's a lot here. It's not just somebody like one person that was drunk or was high. There's a whole family. Um, you know, uh, looks like a, a high school age or college age son who's putting videos on There's also a parent that that saw this as well. Um, so there's a lot to this. And we're just curious to throw it out there to see what your reaction is. OK, so the country star Garth Brooks, who's kind of been left leaning a little bit. And this is interesting to me because, you know, Nashville was always historically this super conservative place. In fact, it was kind of. I don't know. I I think I think Tennessee was was this conservative place even before Texas was as conservative. I think Tennessee was even more conservative. But now we're starting to see Tennessee's getting a little bit more liberal, a little bit more left leaning. It seems like in Garth Brooks, um, no need for him to come out, make a big deal out of this. But he decided to do it. Apparently, he's opening up a bar in Nashville. And, uh, you know, no reason for him to come out and make a big publicity announcement about this, but he decided to do it anyway. He jumped into this whole uh, Bud Light thing and is now pushing the fact that he is going to be serving Bud Light and on and on and on. And haters aren't invited in his bar and so forth and so on. And I agree with that in the sense that, I mean, uh, you know, whatever someone's lifestyle is, there's no reason to be hateful, to, to be mean to people. All that's good, right? I think we all agree with that as Christians. But at the same time, here's a guy, Garth Brooks, who, you know, probably has the exact same following as the Bud Light buyer, right? The the guy with the pickup truck. Uh, and he's going out now and making a big deal out of this, kind of jumping in, uh, you know, both feet into this whole uh, Bud Light, uh, you know, Budweiser, you know, situation, controversy. I don't understand it. I I really don't. And it's another example of you say, okay, if this guy's opening up a bar to make money, if he wants to serve Bud Light, then just serve Bud Light. You probably have 20 things on tap at a bar like that. Why get into the news and get involved in the whole controversy? I don't know. Um, But a lot of people are saying it's just more evidence that Garth Brooks is woke and um, that they're not going to be listening to his music. I don't know. Um, I'm not much of a country music fan myself. Um, but I just find it interesting how many people feel like they need to get in the middle of these controversies. Um, I think the smartest music people and, and actors (laughs) and public figures, I think the smartest ones are like, look, if you're not in politics, if that's not how you make your living, uh, you know, as a commentator or whatever, why, why do you get in the middle of this stuff? I, I, I don't understand. I mean, in my own case, I mean, obviously, this is how I make my living. I'm, I'm a commentator. I have opinions. I write articles. I do talk show appearances. I have my own show. Um, but if you're not doing that for a living, I mean, if you're, you know, somebody that is uh, you know, playing country music with your guitar for the good old boys, why even get in the middle of this kind of stuff. It, it just makes little sense to me uh, from a financial standpoint, but what do I know? All right, that's all we've got for you this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you. Great to be back from Detroit. Had a great trip. Stay in touch. Uh, send me an email. The show email is jim at christianmoney.com. Thanks for watching and listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.